Welcome to Entrepreneurship Lab, a space for all entrepreneurs who want to start, grow and sell their business. In this podcast, we will cover different topics of entrepreneurship, from starting your business, finding your clients and branding yourself. You will be learning everything about marketing, finance, scaling your business, and much, much more. As your host, Nevena Bajalac, I'm welcoming you to my lab where you will together with me create, learn, and grow. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of Entrepreneurship Lab. This is your host, Nevena Bajalac, bringing you another exciting topic, a topic and amazing guest today. And my guests today come from a company called Collective Works. They're Valerie and Dina. They're both certified coaches, and they focus on coaching teams and helping teams become more productive, which will be the topic of today's interview. So if you're looking to grow your team or you have a team in your company, make sure to listen to the episode and find out a lot of tips on how you can boost that team's productivity. So Valerie and Dina, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you so much, Davina. Yeah, thank Thank you for having us. So I just gave a really, really short introduction, but I want to let you, each one of you, share a little bit about your story. How did you came to work together? Um, how did you become coaches and why? And why you specifically focus on teams? Right. So I'll go first. Um, yeah, so I have a corporate background and I worked for a long time in the luxury goods industry and I was burning out. And I became a coach in 2016 because I had a coach in the corporate world and she was really, really impactful to my, uh, to my performance. And I met Dina on my coaching certification program in 2016, and we've been working with each other ever since. And really our passion is, has developed over the years from one-to-one coaching now to team coaching and helping going in there and really working with the team and helping them collaborate better. I love it. And you, Dina, Dallas? Yeah, so I also come from a corporate background. Um, I spent over 11 years in the advertising world. And in 2016, um, like Val mentioned, I also started my coach training. I was really looking uh, to develop myself. Um, I wasn't really looking into coaching to become like a full-time career, but I really loved it. um, And I felt like I could utilize my skills in a much more effective way, you know, um, more impactful way. And so I continued with that. And since I've been full-time coaching um, on my own since 2019 and working with Val, like she mentioned, since 2016, Um, And we've really now found ourselves in team coaching because we felt like even though one-to-one coaching is really creating an impact, how we were asking ourselves, how could we create an even bigger impact? And we really think that that's through teams. And it it comes from this um, philosophy that we really believe in, which is that 
all of our, and this is actually where the name Collective Works comes from, which is all of, you know, our world's problems and challenges really can't be solved by one person alone. Um, even if we look at the past, it's all been worked out collectively. And so we're really trying to harness the power of um, collectiveness and also, you know, which is found in teams mostly. I love it. And I especially love because, I mean, coaching is definitely depends part of the world, right? But um, still, there are so many companies that don't see how coaching can benefit and really make a huge difference. But it's getting there. It's talked more about and uh, it's still a little bit more even from my experience about training, but then we always say, I always say it's not about training. It's about that sustainable change, which coaching actually mm. brings. Um, so thank you, first of all, for sharing. And uh, I would like to know first, what are some biggest problems that you see in general uh, in teams? Like in there, we're talking about boosting their productivity. So why are people not productive? What demotivates them or what drains their energy? What do you see are the biggest issues uh, that are happening in companies, in teams? Okay, so, well, we when we look at a team's productivity, we always look at it through the lens of performance. And the way that we measure performance is, are they, are they creating value for their stakeholders? Are they taking, so one of the, to answer your question, one of the problems is teams get very focused on themselves and they don't look outside. And what are our stakeholders expecting of us? So um, when we work with teams, we first of all, take them into a place of being able to do that. And you're right that people don't understand team coaching right now, but part of team coaching is helping the team to be aware of some of that, some of those things. One thing that can help is a team charter, which allows a team to look at the behaviors that they have, their purpose and the purpose is different than a mission. It's about, you know, what are we able to do as a collective team that the world needs and that our stakeholders need. And I think that we're coming to the end of the year and it's a really good time to have a moment of um, reflection. Every good sports team is able to look at, is able to review their work on video. So we don't have videos for teams, but it is important to slow down in order to speed up. You know, with their American philosopher and psychologist, John Dewey said, we don't learn from experience, we learn from reflecting on experience. So a really good thing that a team can do at the end of the year is take time to look at, you know, what did we know about our team now that we didn't know a year ago? And what is the number one behavior your team could adopt that would make the most impact on your performance? You know, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? Um, and are we looking at the problems that are happening in two years from now that we probably half know about already? Mm, I love it. Yes. Yeah, I think um, what Val is speaking to are, are two two things that um, most teams, you know, have problems with other than, you know, all the, the other problems that um, you mentioned already, but it's the inside out um, approach. So we like to say, instead of looking inside out, like Val was saying, we need to take an outside in 
approach. So we start, we don't start with the team. We start with who are they there to serve? And then the second thing is instead of the team, because a lot of teams are just doing day to day, you know, what needs to be done today, focus on what needs to be done today, what needs to be done tomorrow, what needs to be done, you know, this quarter. But what we're saying is like, if you're able to zoom back, zoom out, sorry, then you're able to not do past forward, which is what most teams are doing, but you're able to do future back, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I want to just step back and ask uh, another question because a lot of listeners are just growing their business and starting to build teams. So what is maybe a habit or a process or maybe a tip you would give them that the moment they start building their team, like what should they maybe look in a team or what should they create as a culture in a company so they create a productive team? Yeah. I'll take that. Well, the first is to create a foundation and a culture where people feel, especially if there's, if it's a startup and they're innovative, people feel um, a safe space and that they're able to have the psychological safety to offer up, you know, courageous ideas and innovative ideas. And are they able to, um, do they feel comfortable not to be shot down for their ideas. So if you want people to be innovative, you have to normalize failure. You have to normalize, you know, coming up with an idea that might not work because that will stifle people. And especially when, you know, there's all this talk about diversity. Diversity doesn't work unless there's psychological safety because people, if they're so different from so many different backgrounds, they sort of stifle each other and people feel afraid because they're going to be judged for their thoughts. So number one thing is building a foundation where there is a level of psychological safety that people feel safe to contribute their ideas and also feel good about coming to work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. It should be also fun and exciting. And uh, Dina, any, anything from your point? Yeah, um, I was going to say not only psychological safety, but also having a really clear idea of what the the why is, you know, we talk about individuals finding their why, like um, Simon Sinek has made a whole career out of it. Um, and for us, it's, you know, finding the team's why, like, why does the team exist? And the what we also like to say is, the team doesn't exist um, on their own. The purpose creates the team. So the team wouldn't exist if they didn't have a purpose to exist. Uh, And finding that is really looking to the stakeholders. Who who are they there to serve? And we're not just talking about the obvious stakeholders. Maybe there's the, you know, customers. um, If you're B2B or B2C, business if you're a technology business maybe you're looking at um, your partners um, your suppliers Um, we're also looking at um, you know especially for entrepreneurs their investors their their share shareholders um, maybe their their funds um, their board of directors um, but also outside of that you know the communities in which they work in um, their competitors, um, 
you know, potential customers that they haven't, they're not serving yet, taking a look at what all of these players require from the team, because only then can everybody get on board with a shared um, vision and a shared purpose. And that's how you get people really connecting with each other and aligning on, okay, what do we need to work on? Also, what kind of team do I need to build to make this you know, vision come alive. But you can't know what that is if you're not constantly looking at um, the stakeholders. Mm. Yeah, it's a great point, great point. Um, I want to point out and ask you a little bit about this habit because as individuals, right, everyone brings their own paradigms and their habits. We as coaches, we understand that. And like you said, when we have to also work individual, but because individuals make the team, but I'm noticing going into different companies, I love to observe the culture. I love to observe, are people coming on time? What is the first time they think they're doing, um, right? Are they making coffee and chatting for an hour and then starting warming up? I say like warming up to work. And so how much are they, because we're talking about productivity, are they focused on the activity to it's going to make them productive? Um, you know, how are they starting their day? And I'm noticing that when new joiners come, they literally trying to blend into their culture. So like you will come mm. and observe mm, what's happening in this office. Okay, everybody drinking coffee from nine to 10, chit chatting. So they become part of their culture, even and maybe they would do something differently as their personal habit. Um, so how is this important for leaders to recognize in their companies of what actually is happening? Um, and how can they actually start changing those uh, small habits I'm not saying oh people should not chat or have coffee, but mm -hmm. I'm saying that they really understand that it's not about clocking nine to six or nine to five, whatever. It's about being productive and doing the things that needs to be done. Um, so how do we start shifting, actually seeing that first, recognizing it, and then shift it with our team? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I, I just kind of popped into my head as you were describing those um, patterns or behaviors is that um, this is a systemic um, first of all is to realize that this is a systemic um, let's say pattern it's not down to one individual it it's it's alive within the system and the system is what allows it to be so that's why when you have a newcomer coming in they're almost like just following, you know, the pattern that already exists. So first of all, I think it's really important not to, especially for leaders, um, not to pinpoint like, oh, it's this individual's problem or it's this individual's issue. Um, no, it's something that exists. And so it's not that an individual that needs to be, let's say, um, changed or corrected, but it's rather the system. That's the first thing. So it's a mindset of what are the patterns that exists within our system as a team? Um, and what are the ones that are serving our overall purpose? And what are the ones that are not? You know, what's the impact of those behaviors? Like if it's going to be that everybody has um, an hour to warm up and have their coffee and whatever else, and that allows them to be more productive, whatever that means, then great, we can keep that behavior. 
But if it's something that's negatively impacting, then maybe we um, we want to change that. Like one of the things, for example, is meetings. You know, effective meetings are so rare, you know, these days. And a lot of the teams that we work with actually complain about this. They say, we just have too many meetings that we don't end up having any time to do the actual work. So one of our, you know, like passion points, let's say, is to talk about how to have really effective meetings. Um, but that's one of the things is um, meetings ending with no real um you know, action plan or no clear direction of, of okay, what happens next? Um, so that's one of the things that teams can look at and say, well, well, what, what do we want to keep doing that we're doing really well? What do we want to stop doing? And maybe what do we want to start doing? Yeah, mm. I love it. Valerie, you? <laughs> yeah, I'm just dying to say that inter interpersonal relationships the better they are, you know, and the 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 more built up they are, the more the more people are going to collaborate in an in an effective way, and the more they're going to perform better. And I also want to say that you know one of the habits right now that's and one of the cultures that I hear about every single day with um, leaders that I coach is you know this this overwork, you know, the number of hours that you work in a day. 18 hours. So there have been studies done recently, and they have proven that the number of hours that you work has absolutely no effect on your performance. However, the number of hours that you are able to rest and restore your brain and come back to a state of calm actually heighten performance. So if you're talking about, I'm coming back to your first question, which was, a leader, a company, somebody who's doing a startup, startups can be extremely intense. You know, everybody's like working 18 hours a day. This is not going to serve the overall um, performance of that team. So it's kind of like there's this new thing called proactive rest, where companies like Salesforce, Zappos, um, I think even LinkedIn, they're baking in ways that employees can rest throughout the day, throughout the year. Also, the four-hour work week was recently tested in the UK, and it was 100% successful. Whatever that means, you know, I have to look at that data. But I think that we have got to stop working people to death and realizing that the more, like, I feel it when I'm able to like take a day off or when I take a real weekend day where I don't turn on my computer, I feel like the Monday morning I hit the ground running. And I'm sure that a lot of people can identify that. So remember that when you're a leader and remember to be able to give people guilt-free rest time, you know, yeah. and not shame for not working at a certain time. You just reminded yeah. me of my client that I'm working with recently. So she, she handled her kids she still has her old job. She's building her connected with that industry, her job, her, her consulting practice. And then she would message me, oh my God, I got cancellation. What do I do tonight? And it was like 8 p.m. And I'm like, now you rest. <laughs> or you read a book. <laughs> because I was burning myself thinking I would have Zoom calls and interviews 11 p.m. with US and meetings. And I would just have my calendar open and I would do weekends. 
for a year and then I was so burned out. I didn't enjoy. I said, well, what's the point? I'm, I'm not being effective. So I learned, like you said, if you have a proper rest or if I'm effective in four hours and the most important things are done. However, we have to recognize what's the most important thing. But if those are done, right. I can go and enjoy the rest of my day. Why am I supposed to be sitting and draining? Because then the long hours, I'm just not productive after, you know, if I'm working from eight after four or 5 p.m., I'm not productive. So yeah, right. ideas are not flowing. The teams cannot work. And um, yes, I think, I mean, a lot of companies are changing. So I like what you mentioned, but I always like to talk about income producing activities. Of course, if you're a designer, you have to do a design in a team. You're gonna That's your activity. But for people to move the company, we have to see, hey, what are our income producing activities? Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they are focused on creating the content, posting on social media. Uh, then right. they are like, oh, what do I need to do next? And those are not actual income producing activity like prospecting and sales, which for a startup are very, very important. Of course, in team, they're going to have different roles. But if everyone understands what has to be done and how it has to be done by when, and like you said, then being respected with our ideas, if a team member get the results at the end of the day that should be what matters but how yeah, do we well, how do we sorry dean i'm gonna let you talk but how this brings me to the next question like how we then deal with the issue that happens because if everyone feel they have to sit by six in the office and one person says i'm done i want to leave at four then another person says i want to leave at four so i think this is another challenge for bigger companies that they have to put some boundaries so what do you see and what's happening when you coach teams to make this shift? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, sorry, go on. Take it, Dina. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just going to say on, I mean, this is also kind of related to this question, but also on the previous point, a really great exercise to do, which seems really obvious, but is to break down by percentage you know, what kind of tasks are you doing throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month? Um, and, and what are they? So is it, you know, income driven activities are taking up like 5% and like 95% of your time is going to everything else, you know, well, maybe that doesn't make sense. So that's just a really easy trick to do is to break it down by percentage, you know, even as a team, where are we spending all of our time? Because, there is something to be said, and there is uh, not an exact formula, but there are some things that are going to become glaringly obvious once you do that exercise. Say, like, why are we spending thirty percent of our time, forty percent of our time in meetings? You know, which a lot of people are actually doing. So that's just one um, quick thing that I thought of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, in terms of the cult, you know, you were saying the culture where, you know, some people are leaving before others or whatever. I, I also want to call out, you know, leaders who don't walk the talk. So these are leaders that are telling people we have work-life balance. You know, we're all about well-being. You know, since the pandemic, every all the leaders are talking about well-being. Okay. However, if they're cutting budgets, you know, taking away resources and piling on more and more projects, then they're not walking the talk and people are getting a message that it's not okay to leave the office at four. So I think it all 
it really all starts with the leader and and what messages that leader is um is is putting out there and is the leader staying till eight nine o'clock at night or does the leader have work-life balance but that leader has got to be saying that you know like guys you need to rest everybody needs to be able to rest you know don't i mean i work i work with people that tell their teams do not send any email on the weekends or after 7 p.m like what are the rules so you're leaving the office at four but you're sending emails until 11 o'clock at night what is that saying to everybody on the team so yes have some rules in place and talk about it yeah conversations yeah absolutely well, I would like us to wrap up uh, each one of you. I would like to ask you for a tip or two, three tips about boosting the productivity, maybe something very practical that uh, that leaders and teams can implement. So what would be your uh, favorite tip? Yeah, Dina, do you want... I have a thousand, so I'm thinking yeah. of which <laughs> I know, I'm thinking um, which one would be um, really great. But I mean... My favorite thing for a team to do, especially in the beginning, is to do something called um, a stakeholder map. And that's really like, you know, the mind maps Mm -hmm. that we do when we brainstorm. Um, It looks like that um, visually. But what you can do is put the team in the middle and then write out all of the different stakeholders And it's really great to do this as a team because everybody's giving their own input and mapping out each of the stakeholders. If a stakeholder is more of a priority or as it has a bigger impact on the team, make it bigger, you know, make it a bigger circle or square or whatever you're drawing and then draw the connecting lines to the team. If the stakeholder is more important to the team, bring it closer to the team. And really spending time to do this activity, it could take, uh, you know, a few hours, making sure that you're looking at all of the different um, stakeholders and and, um, pinpointing each of them. And then you have a visual representation of where the team, you know, lives and breathes and who is it serving and why. And, you know, the purpose really can emerge from that. Um not just doing the um, stakeholder map, but once you have that done, you know, go out and talk to these people. You know, how often is it that every member on the team is able to talk with one of their clients, you know, really getting an idea of like, what do you need from us as a team? You know, what do you, what do we do well? What, what can we improve on? What would you like to see in the next couple of years? How can we plan again, future back? Um, all of these questions, again, it's all about, as team coaches, we're always asking the question, what is disconnected that needs connecting? Where is the disconnection? Because what we're actually coaching is the connections between people, the connections within the team members, the connections within the team and and their stakeholders, and and all of that. Um, And there's a lot more I want to say, but I'll, (laughs) I'll leave it to Val to give her tip or two. So on, along the same lines as connection and something that can really help teams um, collaborate better 
And it can also help those younger generation teams, you know, relate to the older generation and vice versa. My favorite activity is when everyone goes around in a circle and talks about the biggest failure that they ever had and what they learned from it. So that helps everyone learn that, you know, vulnerability is the key to success in a team. When someone is vulnerable, you want to go to bat for them. You know, you want to, you, you've, you've heard their story, you've learned something about them, you have a more human connection. And so you're going to be more motivated the next day to like really do an amazing job for them. And also it gives people permission to fail, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, yeah I think a reminder that we're all human beings. <laughs> Again, very obvious, but sometimes we forget we're all human beings and one of our most essential nutrients and the way that we survive not only survive, but thrive is through connecting, you know? And so that's what we're always trying to boost. I love it. This was so helpful. Are we going to have to wrap it up? I just want to ask one of you to share how can people connect with you? We're going to make sure to put a link to your website uh, in the description of the episode, but I'm sure people have so many questions, so they should reach directly to you and any companies and leaders. Um, So what is the best way to reach and connect and find out about your programs? Yeah, so where our website is www.collectiveworkscoaching.com and we have an Instagram account, a LinkedIn account and a Facebook account. Is that enough information? And and our email is contact at collectiveworkscoaching.com. Amazing. So thank you so yeah, much. Yes, we're going to make sure to put the link so everyone can can easily find you. I'm sure people have a lot of questions. We can, I think, take this discussion for days and hours, uh, but we are uh, running short on time. Thank you so much, Valerie and Dina, for being here today, taking the time and sharing all your uh, knowledge and experience with us. And thank you for everyone else who is listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, and download the episode. Share it so others can benefit as well and tag us in your posts. Um, Thank you once again, ladies, and thank you everyone for listening.